0: Masonic Light Podcast, this is Past Master Moyer calling again. Just listen to episode 75. I have a number of things I wrote here on my notepad. Excellent episode with John Cook. I've known John for a number of years, but first of all, I'll start off with uh, Pete. You are a putz. You introduced John Cook as the Secretary of the Valley of Reading, and I know where your heart is at because you you are a member of the, of the Valley of Reading. Anyway, uh, one thing I noticed in that episode, a number of you, except for Jack Harley, none of you guys know how to pronounce numbers in Freemasonry. So once again, here's my lesson. It's Effron Lodge number six hundred and sixty-five. It's not Effron Lodge six sixty-five. It's not two thousand nineteen. It's 2019, so for all you Masonic putzes, pay attention. Anyway, I was glad I listened to episode 75. I really, really, really like John Cook. I will see him August 18th at La, uh, the Cigar Lodge up at Cigars International in, in Hamburg. And uh, today's the first day of summer. Hope all you all you brothers are having going to have a great summer. I'll be in touch shortly. Bye.
1: From the new recording lair located
2: deep beneath the wine and spirit store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania.
3: You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast.
2: Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, a no wagering.
3: This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host.
4: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode seventy-eight. No.
5: 79. Oh, uh, well. 80. 79 and a half. 82. 79 and a
4: half. <laughs> um, so hello, everybody. Today we have a very interesting show. Um, we have two, kind of one guest, and we have, we're have we the guest of someone else. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So uh, on Skype right now, or Zoom, on Zoom, zoom, zoom we zoom, have zoom. Uh, CEO of Cornerstone Publishing, book publishing, uh, Michael Paul. Say hello, Michael.
2: Hello, how are you?
4: Very good. So he's got that good radio voice. Um, And then we also, we're going to be interviewed by Miss Megan Hess of the Pennsylvania Freemason Magazine. Uh, So that'll be interesting. We'll see what she's here to do an article on how inept our show is. (laughs) (laughs) And And we're
6: here to prove that. And and
5: wonder
4: how we've gotten to where we've gotten. Hope we don't disappoint her. All right, so what we'd like to do here, Michael, we go around the room, see what we've been up to masonically. Uh, I'll go counterclockwise today. Larry, have you been up to anything? No.
7: <laughs> Goose and gridiron breakfast and a couple of committee things i have been involved, it, but I've been kind of avoiding everything this summer, so no, not really.
1: All righty, Tim. Uh, two things I'll mention. Uh, as you mentioned, it is summer, so not a lot going on masonically, but... Uh, Uh, Go to a regular Friday luncheon with my worshipful master at Eureka West Lodge, number 302, and a couple of brothers that join us. Um, And really just doing a lot of uh, cleanup of lodge records uh, during this time. So uh, that has been my Masonic activity for the last few weeks.
4: And counterclockwise, um, Michael, the monitor is in between you and Jack, so I'm going to call on you next. (laughs) Have you been up to anything in Freemasonry in the past couple weeks? Well, uh,
2: I did a uh, online lecture. Um, It looks like I'm doing more and more of these. It it was uh, in Michigan for Lodge in Michigan. And then I uh, did two Masonic videos for the YouTube channel at New Orleans Scottish Rite College. So I did two of them this week and I attended Lodge.
4: What is your home Lodge?
2: Well, actually, I have a few of them. My, uh, my Mother Lodge uh, no longer exists. That was Friends of Harmony, number 58, New Orleans. But I, uh, I moved over to Germania, 46. And then I'm also a member of uh, Perfect Union, number one, and Ettoile Polaire, number one, and Chavantes number five, in New Orleans. Wow. Alrighty, so that's I pay cool. a lot of I pay a lot of dues. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you don't eat home a lot either. No.
4: <laughs> Jack Harley, what have you been up to?
5: Uh, Masonically, not a lot. I, I've been successfully procrastinating on several events. The uh, autumn days uh, I'm, that I'm doing with Ubar Grotto, we're doing a pumpkin roll. Um, so we're going to have a tent set up and sell.
4: Or, Is that something you eat? A pumpkin
5: uh, roll? No, it, it could be, but in this case, it's going to be. Uh, we're going to we're going to give the kids a pumpkin, and they'll paint it up with faces and whatnot, and uh, then put it in a dump truck. And at a certain point, we're going to tip the dump truck and roll all the pumpkins down the hill, and kids will win fabulous prizes, and it'll be a hoot.
4: Do we roll the pumpkins at kids like a bowling alley? or? Um,
5: <laughs> we thought about that. We actually thought about catapults, um, yeah, yeah. just putting a kid out in the field, and but that didn't really go well. Masonic Villagers, I think, put the kibosh on that. Yeah, that didn't work. They're such joy killers, but... Yeah. Um, but it should be fun. I saw it on the internet, and as soon as I saw it, I said, we have to do this. So that's that. And then also procrastinating on Lodge in the Woods. Uh, and I'll talk more about Lodge in the Woods a little bit later, maybe put in a, a, a solid plug for that. But that's our, our evening dinner and meeting with the Grandmaster and all that stuff at the local scout camp. But other than that, I have been uh, wholly unmasonic. Well, I haven't been unmasonic, but I've been not Masonic. And, Sounds uh, good. Do you want me to go upstairs and beat up the people uh, on the loading dock? Or?
4: <laughs> no, because I, I, that's Matt Acaveria from
5: yeah. uh, He's bigger than all of us. <laughs> yeah, but I can talk him down.
4: Okay.
7: <laughs> <laughs> just, so, just so you know, Michael, the state store, the liquor store, is right above us. And uh-huh. th- they're moving crates of something up there, and it's making a vibration. It's like mini earthquake. So.
4: And the one employee up there is a uh, member of a local lodge, and he's about six foot two. And I don't know. Kind of ro- robust, I would say. Robust. Great guy. Uh, Josh, what have you been up to? Nothing. <laughs> all right, then. All
7: right. Uh, is there is there a coincidence that we're both members of Lamberton <laughs> <seven percent>? Lodge? <laughs> oh,
1: you all said that, not me. Oh.
4: Well, you're at, obviously not watching the oh. watching the hen house. Uh. Um, what have I am up to? Last week, I went to... The workers' picnic at the Valley of Reading. Is that a communist thing? Oh,
7: I did that.
4: Yeah, Larry, I know. <laughs> I'm reminding you of these things you've done. <laughs> Larry gets invited to the workers' picnic, even though he doesn't really do oh, anything. Oh, no, no, no. I participate in the plays. <laughs>
7: That's <laughs> the what skits, I call them. The skits. The, the skits of degree work, really. I participate in those, and, and I work backstage. It's a stage crew. Well, limited. <laughs>
4: And uh, yesterday I had a long day. I had, um, we had a, at, I'm Grand Tall Cedar this year for Lancaster Forest. So we did uh, our ladies' night picnic, which really has nothing to do with ladies. We call it the ladies' night picnic, but we give out scholarships to kids and we eat charred animal flesh outside and we have an auction. We have a Chinese auction. Or no, it's a white elephant, white elephant auction. And it's fun every year. This year, we um, we had 45 people there, and we raised $500 for muscular dystrophy. So nice. And then I'm going to ask, how did the rest of that go? Um, you have- we had 45 people went, and 44 enjoyed themselves. Okay. <laughs> and you were the one that didn't, apparently, right? No, no, no. If you're a tall cedar. You know which member of our forest did not have fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back and speak with, all, with publisher Michael Paul.
5: At the historic Smithton Inn of of Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster. All to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Effort of Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge. Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life. One that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com. Or simply call us at 717 733 0 Nine four. Just ask for Pest Master Dave.
7: Hey, our guest again, as Pete mentioned, is Michael Paul, uh, publisher for Cornerstone Publications, which is a uh, Masonic publication house in um, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, one of the things, tell me a little bit about your Masonic background, because it's rather extensive, and I'd rather have you tell us about it.
5: <laughs> so would we.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh been a Mason forty plus years and uh I was made a Mason in New Orleans, Friends of Harmony number fifty eight. And uh I uh I had been writing my first book was published when I was uh nineteen, it's nineteen seventy three. And um so I had always been doing that and it just eventually transferred over to Masonry. And uh, I had been a uh, print shop owner, had done printing and graphics, so it evolved into a publishing company. And uh, pretty much um, masonry uh, affected me, and I had to do something with it. And that, that, that's pretty much the, uh, where it went from there and uh, what caused me to start writing and publishing and doing it again and again.
7: Okay, uh, you're also a fellow of the Lodge of Research in Maine, is that correct?
2: I'm a um, fellow of the Philolathes Society, a fellow and um, past president of Masonic Society, and a fellow of the Maine Lodge of Research, and a full member of the Texas Lodge of Research.
4: He's a real good fellow. Yeah, he's a good fellow. He's a researching
7: fellow. Good fellow. How did you get involved in Maine coming from New Orleans? How did that happen?
2: When I started, I, um, I was attending Masonic Week, and I, I think most of it just started from writing. Uh, I, I had written for the uh, Scottish Rite Research Society, Herodham, in a number of their early issues, editions, and I just kept writing and publishing for different publications and magazines, Masonic magazines. And uh, I don't know why they picked me for whatever they picked me for. It, it, it surprises me every time. But, you know, that's that's what started most of it was writing. And the writing was based on research that I was doing. I absolutely uh, fell in love with... Uh, the history of Louisiana masonry because it's such a, a, a fertile field for uh, research and discovery of things that are lost because so much is lost. And it was the same with the Scottish Rite, and they kind of went hand in hand. So a lot of the publishing in the early days was publishing research that I had done. And so that led to these research associations.
4: Oh, cool. Michael, Good. I feel like I'm having like this random uh Flashback. My college days must be coming back. Um, but yeah, just sitting here and hearing your voice. Have you done YouTube videos on the history of the Scottish Rite in like New Orleans?
2: I run the uh, New Orleans Scottish Rite College YouTube channel. Okay. So yes.
4: Okay, because I remember watching you about a month ago, and it was it was just. Interesting with the history of the Blue Lodge and the Scottish Rite, and yeah, it's just there's Scottish Scottish Rite lodges, and it's a it's a hot mess down there.
2: Yeah, we're doing that about four (laughs) years now with the the YouTube channel.
4: Very cool. Yeah, excellent. One
7: of the things that I was, which is a leftover question, I will say, did did we mention this earlier about the fact that we had Michael on the show two weeks previous to this, but Because of the hurricane that these folks were getting to New Orleans, and we just couldn't communicate. So we. Don't blame the guests, Larry. We couldn't figure out. No, no. No, we're blaming the storm, not the guests. It was was bad. But uh, in defense of us, Michael did flee that following morning. (laughs)
5: <laughs> he kept saying it's up the windowsill, but I'm still I, here. Uh, I kept
7: communicating with him. So I got a blow-by-blow blow where he was going and so forth. But anyway, uh, Michael, one of the things that I wanted – and I mentioned this. I, I sent you a, a text yesterday, and I, I said to you one of the questions I wanted to ask was that do you have – any kind of an idea or even an accurate count or even a guess of how many Masonic books were published over the past three, four hundred years. And your answer to me was, I have no idea. (laughs) And my answer to you was, neither do I. But I remembered, I started doing some research last night, and I remember Robert Lomas mentioned something about, uh, about the fact that he thought it was about a quarter of a million. Do you have any idea at all about what that could be?
2: Well, what it means to me when, when I hear a number like that over the, the many years, I can tell you um, the guy who got me into publishing was Alan Roberts out of Virginia. He, he ran, uh, he was the most prolific Masonic author of the 1900s, really. And he, um, he told me something one time. He said, uh, if you get into publishing, Masonic publishing, and if you do it right, don't expect to make any money.
6: That's true. of Podcasting do, do, too. That's podcast yeah.
2: I, I must be doing it right. That's all I could say. but there's no money. I could I could work at Burger King and it be. But the the as far as books, there was a time, and I uh, I did research, um, on the about 1950 1950- Till about 1920, uh, 25 or so, it seemed like in the United States the Masonic community was very clued into publications of Masonic books. And that was a, 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 a I guess, a Masonic book publishers, it was a lucrative business then, or at least they, they were able to pay bills well. But uh, that's, thinking about it, that's one of the few times, and because prior to that, you had a deal with old letter presses, and that was that was tough work. So I can't see much money being made in Masonic publishing at pretty much any time. And I and I believe it was done simply for the love of, of masonry, because that's that's the only thing that makes sense because of the the way it's been done for so many years.
5: And that's why it should be done.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. That, <laughs> well,
5: seriously, I mean, at, at best, you have a really limited audience. You have a you have a fertile audience, but it's a it's a limited audience. You're not you're not going to have a Dan Brown you know blockbuster bestseller. But but you might sell you know twenty or thirty <laughs> copies to a couple of guys. <laughs> <laughs> or or you can come up to uh, Pennsylvania Academy of
7: Masonic Knowledge and sell some books there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael was a guest, but was it three years ago?
5: About yeah. like that, And yeah. you
7: came up and you spoke to the audience, and we had a great turnout, and I, I actually got to shake your hand, and it was, it was great. You had a book you wrote and published. The title is Measured Expectations. Now, you've had pretty good success with that. <clears throat> One, what prompted you to write that? And tell us a little bit about it.
2: Well... What uh, it came about, that was actually the third book in a series. I had done one in 2011, um, and it had somewhat success, not, not great. In uh, 2015, I did one, uh, Seeking Light, and that had a little more. And I think measured expectations um, clicked for some reason. And w- what I believe happened, there was a book for for a number of years the best-selling book that i published was called masonic enlightenment and it was simply i had i edited the book i had put together a number of papers but they were all short and it was a number a, a collection of independent short papers and that was the same format that i was trying to do and it seemed like it clicked and uh... it led to two books following that and um They they seem to be uh, the format that's desirable now, I guess. Uh, Short papers that are are trying to um, help out a lodge, help out masons individually, uh, talking frankly about problems faced in lodges, and um, just trying to lift masonry and, and the individual masons up a little bit. That's that's basically why I did it, and and uh, I just wanted to get something out there to say, hey, things are tough, but it's gonna be all right.
7: Do you think that's kind of like a formula for successful Masonic books?
2: Well, um, I can look back at that and say maybe so. When I was doing it, I was just dumb luck. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just put the stuff together. I never try to plan things. To uh, I said uh masonic enlightenment uh was a best bestseller for a good number of years but the first year that it was out hardly sold anything and i changed the cover and that's all i did was change the cover and whoop, it starts selling so sometimes it's a it's a visual so if you hit on a cover that is interesting to people they'll they'll grab that one first before really knowing much what's inside of it
4: yeah Larry, you've had a list of questions. What are you you're dropping the ball with all this dead air? <laughs> no, 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 no.
5: All right. If, if Larry's in between questions. Um, or, yeah, I am, or, actually. You're in between. want right. so,
7: to – yeah, go ahead, Jack.
5: Thanks. So um, on, on the publishing thing, there, there were two titles that caught my interest in, in going through the list of stuff that you've read. And I apologize. I, I haven't bought any of your books yet, but don't tell anyone. But um, one was uh, concerning Robert's Rules. Um, there was uh, there was one title that was Robert's Rules of Orders for the Lodge, um, and here in I don't know whether it's it's universal around Freemasonry in in the rest of the United States, but here in Pennsylvania we're taught uh, that we do not follow Robert's Rules. So, what did you find about Robert's Rules in uh, in the national bodies?
2: The reason I did that that book was for exactly the reason you said. I I was going around, I was on, um, I wanted to read as many books in the early days as I could. And what used to frustrate me was that uh, so many uh, recommended book lists would have contained books that were out of print. And well, I went to, and it was at least three different Grand Lodge websites. And they all listed Robert's Rules of Order. Hmm. And I thought, wow, that's bad. (laughs) I I knew there were things in Robert's Rules that were absolutely contrary to what the Lodge did. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went back and I knew that the original edition was long out of copyright. So I simply revised it And I made it suitable for a lodge. If they Ah. could recommend Robert's Rules, then I wanted to have one available that was suitable for a lodge. And in the very beginning of it, the problem when you deal with different jurisdictions is that everyone has their own rules. So I tried to make it as generic as possible with obvious things that that are improper. Robert's Rules, one of their big things, is if um, you make a motion... Well, in the lodge, uh, if the master rules something out of order, that's it, it's out of order. Right. Uh, in Robert's Rules, if the presiding officer rules something out of order, they can vote on that and overrule the uh, presiding officer. Well, I, I saw that as a, as a real problem. So mm-hmm. these are the type of things that I tried to correct in the Masonic edition. And it was basically because I saw that book being recommended as a tool for large officers, and mm-hmm. I knew it was it was dangerous.
5: How was that received? By
2: Gen- it's, it's grand It's received. Those who read it, they say, "Oh yeah," <laughs> but if they just see it, right, they say, "Oh no, 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 that's not, that's not that's not good." Okay. So if they if All they right. read it, they they, they understand. It. Oh yeah, this is this one is okay, but it was it's still it's it's got a bad connotation for those who recognize it. Unfortunately. Many don't know that there's a problem with with the classic edition.
5: Right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Did you catch up yet, Larry?
7: Well, actually, you took my question that ah, I was going to ask oh, himself Yes. You did great. Yes. Uh, uh, so now I'm, I'm stumped. <laughs> I, I I think we need to take a quick break Uh-oh. and uh, come back with Michael Paul, and uh, we'll finish up our interview with him.
5: Larry's got to reload.
7: <laughs> we'll be right back. Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning, to materials, to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com.
1: back uh it is uh you were mentioning earlier that uh you are the publisher of the youtube channel for um new orleans scottish, new scottish right there you go thanks pete um tell us a little bit about that that's exciting and it's certainly something that is um prominent in today's technological world our youtube channel so tell us a little bit about that
2: As, uh, about four years ago i uh I was dared to do a, a video uh on just some of the history and um background of the New Orleans uh, Scottish Rite. And uh it's very low tech. You know, I just sit in front of my computer and uh do videos and but it's 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 uh, discussing um the history of the Scottish Rite, problems in craft lodges, and as many different subjects that uh, can come up with and you'll see a lot of the subjects that we talk about on the YouTube channel in the books measured expectations and and a lot of the other books so uh, it it, 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 one hand washes the other really and um, so it's it's been going about four years now we have um, under a hundred videos done now and uh, it's just something that uh, it's again, it's not a, a money-making thing. It's just something that, uh, seems helpful to some, and I, I'm, I'm told some like it. So I, I keep doing it.
1: About how many viewers do you have?
2: Um, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many subscribers. Okay. As, as uh, it's just under 3000 subscribers. So it's not a, you know, as far as YouTube, it's, it's, it's nothing, but, uh, it's, uh, a lot of the videos, I think, are, are, are relevant to problems today in, in masonry in the Scottish right various different bodies. And so that's um, some of the subjects we try to do there.
1: So you mentioned problems in craft masonry. Yes. What, what did you find about some of those problems?
2: Lacking of attendance, <laughs> um, uh, people going through chairs, uh, being uh, ill-prepared, um, so many different things that are happening today the internet is is um changing everything and i think we're having a split in masonry right now we're having uh a resurgence in what does masonry mean actually as opposed to some who just see it as a club and uh so you're having two ideologies kind of meeting heads and sometimes in lodges. Uh, it doesn't go well, and you'll have some younger masons saying, "Ah, oh, these old guys are a problem," and the old guys are saying, "Ah, oh, these young guys—they don't know what they're doing." And so, that doesn't it doesn't happen it, here.
5: I, I, Michael, I went to lodge in Germany, and they said the same thing was going on over there. It's universal.
2: I did. I did a, a lecture, a video lecture, for a lodge in England. And it was exactly the same yeah. thing.
5: Yeah, same. So I, I
2: don't think it's 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 one area. I think it's it's everywhere. We're going through a a a worldwide evolution in, in, in masonry, and things are changing. And, it's a- and that's another one
5: get- of your titles, right? Uh, masonry is not dead, or um, something like that.
2: Well. Uh, 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 one book title was a Masonic evolution. That, right. that was that was the title of the book. And it, it, it's it's Masonry's not dead. It's not going to die, but it's going to change. Yes. And anytime you change, it doesn't always go well. sometimes you don't want it to change. And it's, you know, I don't want to get up every day and my legs and knees and shoulder and everything hurt. But that, what do you, you do? Things change, and it just happens.
7: That was a book published a number of years ago. As who moved my cheese? That was the title of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Freemasons should—every every member should read a copy of that.
4: Michael, you—the um, video that I saw you in, you went into detail, and as you said to me during break, I mean, you could talk an hour about this and just scratch the surface, but could you just kind of give a—maybe to, to spur some of our listeners' interests, um, what's kind of unique about the Grand Lodge of Louisiana and the Scottish Rite in Louisiana?
2: well louisiana itself started as a french territory and it uh by the when the grand lodge was created in 1812 it was created by five french-speaking lodges and they were french in, in uh, language uh in ritual in culture and uh the earliest lodge we have record of in louisiana was 1752 and again it's all French. And whereas the rest of the United States was more English speaking. And uh, visitors come, the reason Louisiana was so necessary was because the shipping port of New Orleans. Uh, they found that you could take goods and merchandise and ship it down the Mississippi River a lot cheaper than trying to hack your way through the woods. So they'd ship goods down through the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. And Along with these goods would come visitors, and a number of them were Masons, and they were English-speaking. Well, they'd come into the lodges, and by 1820, 1830 or so, in New Orleans, the Grand Lodge had lodges working in five different languages (laughs) and three different rituals. Uh, They had the, the York Rite, which is the American web ritual, the Scottish Ritecraft ritual, and the French Rite Ritual, the old French or modern Rite Ritual. So, Americans coming down into New Orleans, English-speaking, and they'd see these lodges, and they'd hear it, and they, didn't, they had no idea what was going on. It was absolutely different from anything they had known before. And at that time, it was different equals bad. And so they said, well, this is not a good thing. And, and by the mid-1800s, there was all-out war. In Louisiana masonry simply because it was different and there was nothing wrong with it outside you know today we have 10 lodges that work the Scottish Rite craft ritual in the city of New Orleans in and around the city and it comprises the 16th Masonic district but that's pretty much it and if you go outside the United States uh, Latin America Europe the Scottish Rite craft ritual is one of the most popular rituals but for some reason, in the United States, it was just absolutely not wanted. And it's, I guess it's kind of like ice cream. If you, if you like strawberry ice cream and somebody comes in with Rocky Road, you're <laughs> not going to allow it. And that was basically as good a reason for, for not wanting it as, as anything. But that's I go into a lot of talk about that and trying to uh, I did one just one the, uh, last week or so uh, Creole Masons in, in in New Orleans and that tells a story about how the society and you know affected Freemasonry and how these individuals lived and thought and practiced their own type of Masonry. Very cool.
4: if there's any connection
2: to the Nova Scotia Frenchmen? Is there? Well,
4: we have a uh, we have it. In studio of Observer, a NATO observer. <laughs> He's wearing a blue helmet. <laughs> um, he wants to know is there any kind of was there any connection, say, between uh, New Orleans masonry and like Canadian Nova Scotia? Um,
2: that would be Huguenot, right? There's two different cultures in Louisiana that are French based. Uh, the Cajuns, which the Acadians, from, from Canada. They originally came from france and they settled in canada and then it came down to southwest louisiana and then the new orleans creoles and it's two completely separate and distinct cultures and they uh they're often on tv you'll hear somebody talking in new orleans with a cajun accent and it's 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 not correct but <laughs> it's two separate cultures and they both wore french but the new orleans and the early grand lodge and all of this was more Creole than Cajun. And that's, that's, this is another thing that you, you could talk for an hour explaining what the differences are. And,
4: yeah, you know. I, I never knew that. I kind of, being a, an outsider, I could probably use those terms interchangeably. And, yeah, and, and most
2: do. Most most <laughs> will, you know, uh, I can't tell you how many times they say, oh, we'll we, we come visit you Cajuns down in New Orleans. I say, no, 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 that's not, that's, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're Creole. <laughs>
7: Very cool. Well, basically, uh, one more question, and I'll, I'll, we'll wrap it up a little bit. And what is a hedge mason? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a unique thing in New Orleans, but you kind of set me straight. So you want to explain, because if you Google you on the Internet, there's hedge mason all over the place.
2: That was someone who interviewed me. And it was a good brother who interviewed me, and he runs a blog called The Hedge Mason. And he liked uh, talking about a video that I had done on the uh, Scottish Rite in New Orleans. And he uh, he has a very popular blog called The Hedge Mason. And so in New Orleans, no, that means nothing as far as masonry, (laughs) but it, it means something to me because the brother was kind enough to interview me. And plug a, plug a plug one of the videos.
7: Well, we gave him a good plug, so hopefully there'll be some people tuning in to his blog. There you go. Reciprocity, reciprocity brother. Reciprocity. Maybe become a
1: Patreon supporter.
7: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Give us a call.
5: Well, <laughs> oh, basically, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Do you have a question, well, No, I just wanted to say, um, Michael, if there's anything that you would like to promote or uh, make our listeners, uh, both of them, aware of uh, that's <laughs> going on in your world or uh, your well. your... YouTube channel or any of that stuff. Let us have it.
2: Well, go pay a visit to Cornerstone Book Publishers and uh, take a look at some of the the books that are there. It's uh, Masonic and Scottish Rite and and, uh, Metaphysical, Rosicrucian. We've got got about 250 books on the site that we've published. And then the YouTube channel is New Orleans Scottish Rite College. And just look that up on YouTube and it should come up.
4: How many videos do you have on there? On the, uh,
2: I I don't remember offhand. It's between seventy-five and hundred.
6: Whoa! Nice.
4: Yeah, I, folks. I would recommend if you want some educational learning with a cool accent. <laughs> go. Oh wait wait wait! People
2: from New Orleans don't have accents. Ah, <laughs> there it is. Very good. Well, Well,
1: Michael, we want to thank you for being with us this evening, and we're going to make sure we provide links on our website and uh, uh, on our Facebook page and all to all of your different places so our listeners can uh, get to that very quickly. And uh, we appreciate you taking your time tonight. And uh,
4: Thank you for sticking with us because that our, our last attempt was horrible. And thank you for still speaking <laughs> with us.
2: I appreciate it. It's, it's been a pleasure. All right.
4: Thank you, brother. Take
7: care. And thank, thank you. you for coming on the show. And we'll be yeah. right back.
6: It's time for the Lodge Business Brief with Brother Jim Stevens. Well, again, Masonic Light Podcast listeners, this is Jim Stevens with another Lodge Business Brief. We often hear people say they have far less time than they did just a few years ago. Yet each year we seem to be busier and busier and busier, getting far less done on a daily basis. What has changed? The inferred urgency of our problems, or more specifically, the increase in the false urgency of those problems, is one answer. False urgency is an insidious foe that eats our productivity one moment at a time. How many times does your phone ring in a day? Of that number, how many times does the phone actually need to be answered? If you let those calls go to voicemail and follow up, even just a few minutes later when you are ready, how much time could you save in your day? Every time you stop what you are doing and change to do something else, there is a loss in productivity. Then, when you return, there is an amount of time it takes you to get back up into the flow. Gloria Mark from the University of California conducted a study in which she found that it takes an average of 26 minutes to recover from trivial interruptions. It is our nature to solve the urgent first. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, that kind of thing. We are conditioned by constant marketing campaigns, demanding bosses and a click-now culture to prioritize urgency. But for us to be truly productive, we must work on only what is important, not necessarily what is urgent. If your large committee or group of officers are meeting often, but not getting their problems solved, it may be time to look at how it organizes the problems themselves. One method to ensure the group is working on the most important issues first is to create and publish a list of problems. The act of creation results in at least one person understanding the various topics to be discussed, and the act of publishing ensures the entire group at least understands what needs to be discussed prior to starting the meeting. When it comes time for each group or body to meet and discuss these problems, They should not use the old familiar, old business, new business agenda. Instead, prior to the discussion beginning, groups should review the problem list and reorganize the list in order of importance. This reorganization is done at every meeting with everyone's input. It does not carry over to the next meeting. Each meeting, it gets redone. The group then works down the list until either every issue is solved or time expires. Any problem that does not get discussed goes back on the problem list for the next meeting. Keep in mind, it will be reorganized. An added benefit of discussing things in the order of importance is you may find that other items of less importance are resolved by the more important topics. Additional information can be found in my book, Lodge Business, The Theoretical Application of Entrepreneurial Business Practices to Blue Lodge. This is Jim Stevens with your Lodge Business Brief.
4: Welcome back, everyone, the Sonic Light Podcast, <laughs> episode number 79, yes. maybe. This could be episode 80. Cause 79 and a half. 79 mm-hmm. and a half, that's yeah. right. So we're still at the table. We were interviewing uh, author Michael Paul uh, via Skype, but in the studio is an author doing an article on us. Uh, it'd be Miss Megan Hess. Hello, Megan. Hello. And, you, uh, and who do you write articles for?
3: Um, I work for the Masonic Villages. I'm a public relations coordinator, um, and because I work for the Masonic Villages, I do a lot of work with the Grand Lodge Pennsylvania, which is why I'm here, because I write for the Freemason Magazine.
4: So there um are, they sent you to spy on us to see if we're breaking any rules.
3: <laughs> maybe, maybe.
4: Uh, again? Uh, I, don't think,
3: I don't think I have uh, that much jurisdiction. Is there
4: a questionnaire? Did they have any alcohol? <laughs> no, thank goodness
3: no,
2: thank those. no, no,
1: we did not. No, no, it's, it's not allowed.
5: But no. we
3: do have red solo cups. But,
5: but yeah, you now know what's in the red solo cup. So right. testify, girl yep. Yes,
4: clear, odorless liquid. <laughs> <laughs> So, welcome. So, uh, tell us that you exchanged emails with Larry, which is frightening. (laughs) It
3: wasn't that bad. So,
4: so what are are you here to interview us about?
3: Uh, We're doing a story for the November Freemason about the podcast. So, talk about, you know, how Masonic Light got started, uh, what sort of things you want your listeners to take away from the podcast. If you could pick anyone to be on your podcast, living or dead, who would you like to have as your ideal guest? Whoa,
4: whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a good one. That's All right, Well, okay we'll we'll let you be the host so you can turn to Tim wait so
5: we'll, before before you start uh, oh. who ratted us out uh, who 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 sent you on this mission?
3: Sent, yeah. I don't know the came the article idea came from my manager um so it probably came from Tina letter she was That's our, probably she was our public relations director yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure yeah, yeah, you you was out. maybe yeah, maybe since yeah. he was on or the podcast Seth.
5: yeah yeah. Somebody like that. All right. We've, we've, just so you know, when we started this out, the whole thing was to just keep under the radar of Grand Lodge. So, right. you know, Grand Lodge, never heard of
0: Kind and of then, blew and, that and one with the Grand, were Grand Master. Yeah. yeah invited
7: like, yeah. the Grand yeah. Master here. Yeah. Right.
5: That really didn't work very well. So. That was a good
3: episode, though, with
4: the Grand Master. Great I liked episode. that one.
5: Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. Easy to interview, yeah. Yeah.
4: All right. So, um, go ahead, Megan. Interview, uh, start with Tim. He he he's our new one of our newest members of the show so he knows the least we want to see what his answers are (laughs) (laughs) okay that didn't sound good either
3: (laughs) tim how did you get involved with the podcast since you're one of the newest members
1: i actually began as a listener an avid listener um i really enjoyed the show uh I, I did a lot of travel with the job that I recently retired from, and so I would download the podcast and many times would listen to it while on an airplane and uh, uh, really enjoyed the topics, enjoyed the conversation, and more than anything, enjoyed the fellowship of uh, these brothers as they were um, taking on topics that, you know I might be talking with with some fellow masons, after the meeting, but this was kind of a structured, in its own unstructured way, <laughs> <laughs> um, conversation. And The way I describe the podcast is, just imagine four or five guys sitting around talking about some Masonic topic, and that's kind of how I saw the podcast, and when I was brought on as the, what is it, Larry? Director of Marketing.
7: Director of Marketing, yes. There you go. Yeah, how's
1: that working out? Yeah, well, <laughs> you see how we're being marketed, right? Um, you know, uh, welcome the opportunity to come on and be, be one of the co-hosts and uh, have really enjoyed my time.
3: So, as director of marketing, what are some of your responsibilities? Yeah, how, how's that working
1: out? <laughs> well, I think more than anything, it was to bring some other ideas um, how we might connect uh, better through Money. our internet, through some the Patreon supporters, donations, donations, masoniclight slash Patreon. Um, you know, making sure that we got you know just basically getting the word out better through all channels uh you know we have the website we have the facebook page but um you know one of my non-podcast duties is i'm secretary of one of the largest lodges in the state at eureka west shore lodge number 302 in mechanicsburg and so uh kind of bringing an outside of lancaster county perspective i think uh was an added benefit. Are you uh, trying to say we're uh, we're homers? No, we're, well, no, we're Lanco-centric. Lanco-centric. Yeah, there you go. Um, and and I think that it has broadened uh, both the listenership. Um, I think we're now up to seven planets, Larry. That uh, we have listeners well, last on. Last I heard, was three. Oh well, I think we're up to seven now. Oh, seven now? Yeah, hundred thousand well, listeners on seven planets, plan. right? Um, and so um, I think just continuing to 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 broaden the reach of the podcast
3: okay and of the episodes that you've been a part of which would you say is your favorite and why
1: without a doubt for me the ed stum uh interview uh was my favorite even though i wasn't in studio that night it was hands down my favorite one um
3: that was a good one
1: yeah uh ed has a great story Uh, His entire life has been centered around the Masonic fraternity. I've known Ed for a long, long time, and um, what he brought to that show, I I continue to have uh, people, when I go to various meetings of uh, secretaries or training that I do with the Grand Lodge or other uh, venues, they talk about that Ed Stum um, episode as one that really touched them, and it was one that really meant a lot to me as well.
3: Okay. Who's next? Jack. (laughs) Okay, Jack. Uh, Let me look look at my questions. Uh Uh-oh. How about you? What's your favorite episode? Let's start with that one. That's a good one.
5: My favorite episode, I think the most fun episode that um, I participated in was the Christmas uh, episode with the guys from um, Down Under. Um, There's a Masonic podcast in Australia, or there was. And
4: Jack got too important being a judge and a lawyer, so he <laughs>
5: that Jack Jack Aquilina down. Uh, he was he was um, one of the principals in that podcast. Right, and, and uh, that was um, that was just a hoot. It was just great to be to just share masonry across you know what seven eight thousand miles. Um, it was just a lot of fun. We had a blast, and they had a blast, and uh, it was. I think that's my favorite episode.
3: Okay, I'll have to check that one out. Um so this is kind of a general question. How do you guys decide what uh who to have on the podcast or what topics to cover?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're whoever, show how the well, whoever
4: walks here. in the door.
5: Anybody with a pulse, Megan. Anybody with a pulse.
4: Well, we have a we have a wish list um so um if you're listening, uh we would like to have Shaquille O'Neal. Um who else were we looking to have um Ian Anderson from Yes. <laughs> Um, but Rick that's Jeff Rotell. Sorry, Rick no. Wakeman. Rick man. Wakeman. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, well, there's a bunch of guys and ladies that I think we would be great guests. Um, we've used our own network so far. Um, now we're just starting Larry's reaching out to some folks he meets at the Lodge of Research. Yeah. And, and surprisingly, the they're coming. So
7: And yeah, we the academy, particularly is a, is a fertile field. I gotta watch that. That's
1: how we got the Grand Master. After <laughs> that's all,
7: that's how we got the Grand Master. <laughs> that's how we got Arthur yeah. uh Oscar Allen. There are a lot of people. So
5: really, Megan, what we're looking for is is people that are Masons that have an interesting story. We don't. Other than that, we just BS with them. It's everybody's got their own story, and and we don't go looking for anything in particular. Other than Lodge Forty Nine. When we had those guys on, that was a specific get that we got the writers for Lodge Forty Nine, uh, the AMC TV show. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> way. we this yes, way totally. <laughs> we, we interviewed them, and that was and it was very cool that they would come on and spend you know twenty or thirty minutes with us. But um, but just if you know, we're we're just looking for anybody that has an interesting story.
3: Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, so, what would you say is the uh, most challenging part of the podcast, and what would you say is the most fun?
1: Looking
5: Keeping
4: for Larry's people with an interesting story. <laughs> really wrangling Larry. Yeah. <laughs> La- Larry... That, that falls under challenging,
1: not most interesting. It's the diuretics. Yeah,
4: it's kind of... Is that that book by L. Ron Hubbard? Yes. Yeah. Diuretics. Diuretics, yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, just internally, um, sometimes we have some technology troubles because <laughs> we're really not that smart. Yeah. Um, and we usually think about the podcast about... 5 o'clock on the day of the podcast. (laughs) It's one of those things, I think if we had more volunteers, more people sending us money, more people writing content, we could do a better job. So There we go.
3: (laughs) That that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I have on here. Um, So what are some of your future plans or goals for the podcast? Obviously, getting more listeners, getting more Patreon supporters, but other than the obvious ones.
4: Larry, do you have any goals?
3: I'm not even here right now.
5: (laughs) Larry's managing his portfolio right now on his phone. So he he sells sells pork pork bellies.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things we want to try to do um, is to continually expand our listening market and our market in general. So uh, reach out uh, to expand our guests from all parts of the country. Uh, Tonight, with Michael was a, was a great idea that we have a, a gentleman, Tyler Anderson, from New Mexico that I'm working on getting on the show in the next uh, month or month and a half. Uh, and basically looking at getting people involved. I, I'd like to interview some Freemasons from the state of California because they do some really phenomenal things out there.
5: Oh, their research. Yeah, is, the research, is, you
7: know. uh, the programs that they do to support education throughout the state. I mean, they're they're really into things that we used to do in the 1920s and 1930s mm-hmm. that we no longer do here. Right. But they continue to do it, and they just do a fabulous job. So we want to be able to reach out, and I think that uh, would increase listeners throughout the country as well as throughout the world. I'd like to get some listeners from. Uh, Sweden and what was that? What was that city? Uppsala. Oh, Uppsala. 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 So yeah. And uh, the, 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 the city in the, in the Netherlands uh, that uh, listens to us in our top 10 market, basically. <laughs>
4: <So>. <laughs> How sad is that? Uh, apparently, there's two people in Amsterdam that got really high and listened to us, and now they're. They, they thought they were looking up something on stonework. <laughs> That's great. So, One of the things that we
1: talked about in some recent episodes are the, are the various reasons that people uh, participate in Freemasonry. And we've had many conversations on across several podcasts. Some come in for the uh, charitable types of things. Some come in for the ritual. Uh, some come in for the fellowship. Um, some come in for lots of different reasons. And so we've tried to talk about those. And one of the interesting things is a little exercise that Pete had us do. Um, just really kind of started out informally was uh, taking what was it 15 points and spreading it across the five categories and seeing um, why we were involved in it and we were literally all over the board which was Mm -hmm. great that means that each one of us kind of bring a different thing to the podcast
3: yeah I remember that episode that was a good one um, so, what do you think? Would you say makes your podcast unique compared to other Masonic podcasts? Because there are a lot of Masonic pod there are a fair amount of Masonic podcasts out there.
4: I I don't even really listen to ours, so I can't. I don't... <laughs> so I don't want to bad mouth the other ones by saying we're better or we're worse because I I haven't listened to them. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But um, I do think we're we try to be conversational and light, and we're upfront that we don't know everything but we want to know more and we don't try to put on airs that we're the smartest people Damn. in the room R- write that down yeah we, well hopefully it's recorded because i don't know what i said
5: oh we recording
7: josh mark that i i do listen to <laughs> every one of the shows because basically i evaluate whether i think it was a good show and and uh i do a lot of that and some of our earlier shows i remember i was on a cruise <laughs> and uh, oh, this we was, ravaged this was you. at the very Ooh. beginning uh and we had a guest on and i will not mention his name and i i somehow or other got a hold of somebody from this ship in the ocean somewhere and i said this is the worst show we've ever done what happened and uh <laughs> so so i do evaluate that and that's that's kind of something i i do and uh again what was the question? Wow, uh, well, that's where we were going Yay. with that
5: one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh Larry's words. back. All okay. right,
3: <laughs> Larry. What I asked was what what makes your <laughs> what makes your podcast unique compared you need, to other
7: Masonic with podcasts? Other ones, yeah. And I do listen to some of the others occasionally, and I, I would have to say they're very educational, very informative. Uh, pouring <laughs>
5: No, that's not fair. Oh, that's, that's not, not fair. Not fair. fair. That's no, not fair. okay. They no. are they are what they are and they all have their own shtick
7: Yeah, they do. And, and there's some you know. very good ones out there. Yeah, they're there. they're absolutely. They absolutely are. Are. Yeah.
5: We won't mention them by name because they never mention us. No, but, they don't. <laughs> but they they all do have their they all do have their thing. Um and some of them are more educational, some of them uh try to dive deeper into a particular topic. Uh, we we just we just try to visit with the guy, with guests and f- find out who they are and and get to know them a little bit and what what their involvement in Freemasonry has meant to them and that's I think that's very different yeah I, I don't I think, think anybody else is doing that
7: I, I think the show is based on a bunch of guys sitting around the table just having a conversation and that's the way we record it
4: yeah in yeah. fact Larry and I tried to say one time let's not when when we interview people let's not call them interviews we're having a conversation Mm -hmm. and if we're going to have somebody come on the show and they've not been interviewed by anybody before the interview sounds kind of like interrogation. No, it's, we're just, we're going to talk, but we're happen to be recording it. That's it.
3: Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
7: You you didn't ask uh,
3: me what my favorite shows were. Okay, yeah. Let's go around. Let's go around. And for everyone who hasn't, who didn't, who didn't share that, what your favorite show has been. So I think we got this S- end of the table. So normally, this la- end of the table, we still Okay, need.
4: Josh, let's wrap it and up. And you then. too, Josh. This is, this is where Larry normally says, oh, we got to take a break. But now it's he's on the microphone. Right. We can keep going. <laughs> All right. See how it is. Not, yeah. Go ahead, Larry. It's your time to shine. <clears throat> it's my
7: time to shine. Uh oh. Well, two that what was the actually stand out, and I think most of the guys will agree with that. Episode 37, we had Heather Calloway on the show, and she was fantastic. Uh, I know when uh, the other guy checked the ratings, and not the ratings, but the listening, it jumped. Mm-hmm. And she was awesome. And the end of the show, when her husband came in, who's a Mason, he got into it. And the, the, the we left the mics open. We did not know that, and we had a conversation going on after. That. And she was great. She was probably one of the one of the finest guests. And I have to say, Michelle, Michelle Snyder, yeah. awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome and
4: uh also, she,
5: she knocked me out of the chair the 10, oh, yeah. ten, ten she seconds in
4: absolutely fantastic. Well, you know we might if your favorite our favorite two episodes are, are ladies maybe we should have more lady guests <laughs> 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 just saying it seems like uh they're better yeah. <laughs> and i
7: would have to say that when we first started this podcast a number of years ago uh we were pete and i were stumbling along we had some guests on and uh Probably, we went into the studio, and we were being recorded in a professional studio at that time in downtown Lancaster. And we had a guest on the show, and it was episode number nine. And it was the Reverend Dr. Christopher Rodkey. And we went in the following week to record the next show. And the producer of that show said, i got to tell you something. You guys have really a hit on your hands. He said, your numbers went through the roof. And that was a defining moment when Pete and I realized that this is going to go somewhere. So here, four years later, here we are.
4: It got us out of my basement and in the Jack's basement.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that's that's all I have to offer.
4: Pete, what's your favorite one? I really don't listen to them. But uh, I don't know. What was the
5: most fun to do?
4: I yeah. think it was kind of cool when Larry and I had the uh, Lodge 49 guys on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, we sat in Larry's sunroom on my cell phone, and I turned on, like, the spyware where I can record conversations. And it <laughs> actually came across decent. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not like an old old school with the ISDN lines, but it was uh, it was kind of – I used to work for the phone company. Sorry, that was a digital connection.
1: <laughs> I think the episode that beyond the Chris Rodkey one um, – that literally blew the ratings and the listeners kind of started that on an upward trend. I I really believe, you know, the grand master being on the show gave the podcast legitimacy within the state of Pennsylvania, within the Commonwealth, because people who normally would not have listened to the podcast listened because the grand master was on it. And we now have, whether it's at the cigar lodge or wherever, people from all over the state who never listened before have been listening since the grand master was on
5: Uh, somebody on um uh, uh, facebook had posted in a general freemason page um hey i'm interested in listening to masonic podcasts what should i listen to and like people were dropping in masonic lake
4: and yeah people that i have no idea who they are i don't know who they were that's awesome yeah
5: so that was great that that's uh that's really nice
7: the grand tyler when ed Stum was on the program our numbers went through the roof absolutely and that was that was a phenomenal show mm. right there. I mean, number-wise, people listening, it was a biggie.
5: That was a great story. Yeah, yeah.
7: Well, I, I hate to say this, but were his numbers higher than uh, no, don't, no, don't, no, no do, don't, no, d- no, don't,
5: no, don't, I shouldn't even attend. No, don't, thing. no,
7: don't. We're not going to share
2: numbers. <laughs> numbers don't matter.
1: The Grandmaster's numbers are the highest. about quality, not ever. quantity. Suffice it to say, the Grandmaster's numbers are the highest.
7: <laughs> uh, yes, okay.
1: Always. But I already told Ed his words. <laughs> well, they were. You know, they were at one point, and for a defined period of time. Okay.
5: <laughs> so I have a very serious question to ask. How are we going to get Michael Pohl to sign the wall?
7: Uh, that's a good question. Oh
5: no,
4: he can send some drywall from home. There you go. Ah, okay.
5: Michael, if you're listening, send us a little chunk of drywall with your
4: signature on it. Josh, anything going on? Hanging out. Favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> This
0: is my favorite episode because it's right now.
5: Oh. <laughs> How very fun. Buddhist of you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, what do you hope that your listeners will take away from your podcast? Obviously, your podcast is different than a lot of the other Masonic podcasts and that since it doesn't have the same educa- does the same educational component. Not that it's not educational, but the education portion isn't I would say a driving factor. It's not like I'm going to teach you about this topic.
6: Fair. Yeah.
7: So,
3: yeah. what would you hope that your listeners takeaways would be?
7: Freemasonry,
1: you can have fun and you can laugh. Yep. Well, that's
3: yeah. a good one. That's like a quote. That's like a good quote right there. Oh,
4: that may actually make the magazine, Larry. That just might. Yeah. Can we do it like a cartoon with a bubble coming out of his mouth?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have any say over what the design of the magazine looks like. That is someone else. That is higher up <clears throat> on the pay grade than me.
5: Can you make us all look thin? Yes. Is, is that <laughs>
3: <me>? <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to I'll talk to Rich. Uh, we have to take we have to take a photo at some point before I leave. Okay. By the way, okay. They made me bring the nice camera.
4: Oh, okay. Ooh, so, the nice camera. I'm glad I wore my nice shirt. <laughs> I'll take the right picture. <laughs> all right, awesome. beautiful. i I, as far as a takeaway um i think our original intention really was to have a conversation just like masons do before i just wish men could have these conversations in lodge you know but like we'll discuss everything down here we'll discuss things at the bar in our basement um But then in Lodge, everybody acts completely different. I mean, you should act reverent, you know, it's a, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you have a problem with something that somebody's doing, you should be able to address it. If you're concerned about something, we should talk about it. And I think we just talk about it and just lucky for us that the majority of the world speaks English, so we can expand our audience so so just to enlarge on that this
5: what we're doing here is kind of like like pete said what we wish was happening at lodge. so wouldn't it be nice if after the meeting you could come downstairs and get to know the guy like michael pole who is a visitor at your lodge that night and, and sit down with him and just talk about stuff and and that's what this is and that's what it's supposed to be i think and and that that that's i think what this what this podcast gives people an opportunity to just sit down at their you know, convenience and meet new people and, and have that chat. I think
3: that's awesome. Yeah, I think it is, too. I think it's, it's great. Um, so what would you say that you guys have learned from doing the podcast? Not just podcast basics. Obviously, that's something that you've learned. But um, just more generally, what when, have you learned? When
5: Seth sent the message out about Lodge 49, he said, hey, you guys should try to get them on your show. And we all said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. And then crickets. And I just said, well, what the hell? Let's I'll, I'll look them up on Facebook and shoot them a message. And I shot them a message, and they responded. That worked. <laughs> we had them on the show. The magic so, of social media. So, you know, if, We're now if, blocked. If, <laughs> and, but, right, it's, right, it's the first lesson we learn, ask. Yeah, because if you don't ask, you don't get. So, so I mean, that's something that I've taken away from this: is that if if there's something like that, that 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 you really want, just you know, start
1: by asking, because there's people out there that'll help you get it. Well, we have a couple of questions for you. We'd okay. like to ask. Sure. all right, let's do this. So, how long have you been writing for uh, the Pennsylvania Freemason and doing the duties that you do?
3: Okay, so um, I grew up in E-Town. I grew up, um, my house is like six minutes away from the Masonic Villages campus. So um, really my involvement with them started in high school uh, because I was, a volunteer, I was a youth volunteer in the healthcare center. And then when I was a, going into my junior year in college, um, I was a public relations major. Um, I went to Messiah College. Ooh, go Falcons! Um,
5: <laughs> I was a DJ at Messiah College in the nineties. <laughs> no way, no way!
3: I'm a Blue Jay. Yes, way. It's a fun place, and I almost so went we to Etown. So, you know, and I had a lot of friends <laughs> that went to E-Town, So, it's it's a good school. It just they, their program, their communications program wasn't quite as specialized as I wanted. And my mom's a Messiah alum, so you know, it's oh, yeah. a little bit of a family thing. Well, but I anyway.
4: She just said Etown College wasn't special. Yeah. I think I heard that. Uh, no, 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 it's
3: very special. Very it's special. A, it's special. Their program wasn't specialized.
1: Uh, so do you have any Masonic connections in your family that you're aware of?
3: Um, not that I'm aware of. We we think I my grandmother said that she thinks my like great grandfather was a Mason, but I don't know his name. So okay. I have to look this up. So mm. I we don't have any I'm going to preface that by saying we don't have any Maso- I don't have any, don't have any Masonic connections in my family yet.
1: There you okay, go. There you so, go. We'll okay, see. so what has been your most interesting article that you've written?
3: Oh boy, I've had a lot of really good, um, for the Freemason or just in general?
1: Just in general.
3: Um, I had to, when we were on our photo shoot last year, we did these marketing photo shoots, um, the villages, for, for all the different locations, and we went to Sawickley and I had to interview a resident who was turning 105. Wow. And that was really interesting. I bet. Um, so that was cool. That's one of my, one of my favorite stories I did. Um, I had a story when I was, because I started there. I started at the villages as an intern. That's where I was trying to get to with that story. But I, I had like a long-winded. I had to get there in a long-winded way, which is pretty pretty typical for me when I'm not right. When I'm not when I'm not writing the stories that I write are not long-winded like this. When I talk, I go a million in a million directions. But I started at the Masonic Villages as an intern, and then as a, when I it was this my spring of my senior year at Messiah, which was last year. And my supervisor was like, Hey, this position is opening up in our office, you should apply for it. And I said, You know what? I need a job. And I was already coming back at that point anyway because I was coming back, I was going to come back for another summer as an intern. So, regardless, I was like, Oh, if I apply for this job and I don't get it, then I'll still be there and I'll look for things to do. Um, after, like, after the summer, but then I got the job, so I have been. Uh, in my position, probably about a year and a half, and I love it, it's great. I do a lot of the social media, and I do feature writing, and those are my two things, and it's a fun time. It's always, every day is a little different, and it's really busy, but it's like a good busy.
1: What's the most challenging part of
3: your job? um, I mean, social media has a lot of different aspects that are challenging, so I'm pretty much on my own as far as content creation and calendars come up, because I manage a lot of different accounts so, if there's a if there's a Pennsylvania if there's a if there's a Masonic related social media, official Masonic social media page, it's probably me. Great. Like awesome. Yeah. So, I'm I'm just busy and it's a lot, but it's good. It's like it's good busy and I've met a lot of different I've met a lot of different people and I've lear- I've definitely learned a lot. So, so gr- and, grow and now a...
5: you've been on a podcast.
3: Yes, now I've been on a podcast. I can put that and you're gonna on promote? my like May, list. resume builder. May <laughs> promote yeah. the project May I podcast, say right? something here. No.
7: No, no I'm sorry to, Larry. To, <laughs> Megan just told me a little while ago that she has a copy of my book and she was she read it. I'm reading it now. Reading it's it now. in my bag with me actually. And she got it out of the library. Just so you know.
6: Well, there you go. Three so copies. So you didn't get three any more now. Royalties. So you, can't well, you didn't sign get royalties.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I
4: got 35 cents for libraries. <laughs> so so Megan, growing up in Elizabethtown and for our out of town listeners, that is where the the largest campus of the Masonic Villages of Pennsylvania is. Um, growing up in a non-Masonic family, what was your impression of the Masons growing up? What did you know about them? What did you think about them?
3: Um, The answer to that question is not a lot. I had some friends who were in, I had some friends who were in D. Malay and Job's daughters, but no one I was like super close to. Um, And obviously like I, since my house is, close to the campus I drove by it a lot and I drove by Patton campus a lot and I drove by that big sign that says the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania free and accepted Masons there unto belonging and I didn't really think anything I didn't really think anything about it. I, it I just I didn't really I didn't know I didn't know anyone who was a Mason so I didn't have negative I didn't have any positive or negative uh, impressions
1: well let's take a break and we'll come back and wrap up uh, tonight's show good news everyone
5: In Masonic News today, we are reminded that 50 years ago, astronaut Buzz Aldrin stepped out of the lunar module and claimed the entire surface of the moon as part of the jurisdiction of the Grand Lodge of Texas. This month... The Grand Lodge of Texas has ordered the moon to merge with Jupiter due to lack of membership. That's the Masonic news, so mode it was. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you need some good space sound effects behind that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the flying salt was a fairman. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a third. Star Trek. Of course, you of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Why why wouldn't you? It must be a
5: really hard instrument to play, right? Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. All righty. So, um, anybody have anything going on masonically? Josh, anything going on? Are you gonna try and do anything to fix your lodge over the next two weeks?
5: Um, I actually I I do have to run a uh, practice for school of instruction because we have to do that. So.
4: And what are you doing? Wait,
5: your lodge is gonna practice. Well, maybe. Wow. If anybody shows up. Jeez.
4: And what are you exemplifying?
5: Uh, business of the lodge.
4: Oh. Nice. Okay. okay. Well. That, yeah, we're
7: a little rusty there.
4: <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> we
7: don't even want to get into that one.
4: <laughs> just you guys, you guys should just read the time and reason uh, and the bylaws. That doesn't even work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can study
5: Robert's rules. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Does someone have the card for this, or it was
4: the receipt what, the card? I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, Larry, what do you have coming on?
7: Oh, uh, Actually, Goose and Gridiron on Thursday. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think. We don't have
2: anything,
5: do we? No. Okay. <laughs> what?
0: Bacon shirt. Oh,
4: slow, slow, uh, slow. You didn't
5: even talk about your Tall Cedars picnic.
4: Yeah, I did. I did a little in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was, you know, I ran around. We cooked meat. That wasn't it was the pain Yeah. Um, Next two weeks, not much. I mean, we're back in the lull of Freemasonry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm good for a while. So. Yeah. Uh, Megan, do you, What's wh- up, y- you, <laughs> you go to, uh, you're hired, you go to Mason stuff every day. So, uh, what do you have coming up in your agenda the next two weeks? All
3: right. Well, the next two weeks are really busy for me. Um, cause I'm working on a lot of this stuff for the, not just Amanda Mason campaign launch in the fall. So we got to get all our social media stuff ready. I got to write this story cause I'm going on vacation in, uh, three weeks. I think. Where are you going? I am going to the mountains. Uh, like the Ricketts Glen, that that kind of area. Nice. With my family, so that should be fun. I hope. Um, I didn't take a, I didn't take a week of vacation last year, so we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens when I'm away. That's when you lock, your desk. Yeah, lock <laughs> your desk. Yeah, lock your desk. Yeah. No, this is a funny story about how. actually, I went. I didn't go away for a whole week last year, but I went away for a little bit. And so one of my other coworkers had to sort of watch social media when I was gone. And she got a message on the Masonic Village Facebook page from somebody that was like I lost my gym bag it's got a it's got full, it's got a gavel and meat sticks in it <laughs> <laughs> did you find my meat sticks? <laughs> so we almost- I'm glad. I'm glad you guys thought that story was as funny as my coworkers did. Oh,
4: that's going to need to be a soundbite for every <laughs> that's show. Soundbite. Yeah. Uh,
3: so I, for- I forget if stuff. the gavel and the meat sticks were found.
4: Um, so you just might. reminded me of a, a late-breaking question because um, one of my friends handled social media for um, different Masonic groups for a while. Uh, we all know Seth. Yeah, um, I
3: know Seth. Seth actually is like the Seth is like the old me.
4: Yes. What Seth does told is what you. I do. I love it. So Seth told me, he goes, you would not believe the crazy emails that we get. And oh, he, yeah. he, he vaguely told me a few, but he, you know, respecting the confidence of the psychos that <laughs> are typing, he didn't give me a real good details. But how often do you get crazy messages?
3: A lot, a lot. It really depends on the, the page. Um, I get a lot of the, like, I'm from Africa. I want to join the Masonic fraternity. I get a lot of those messages. And everyone's like, just WhatsApp me to the Grandmaster. And I'm like, buddy, that's not how it works.
5: Just <laughs> WhatsApp me to the
7: Grandmaster. You're in
3: the wrong <laughs> jurisdiction. Because if I get those messages, I do try to direct people to the right, the right, you know, if it's if, it's a, if it seems like a legitimate inquiry from out of the country.
4: All right, well, he can send us $100 and we can make him a Patreon supporter. Of <laughs> we'll call him a virtual brother.
1: I think they found but, your great but, uncle there, though, and he just needs your bank account information to yes. transfer that. They yeah. send you $14 million. That's right. Tim, anything in going on? Um, August the 3rd, which is a Saturday, is the third Masonic District picnic and barbecue competition. Um, competition? Competition, yes. Competition. That's at uh, Big Spring Lodge in Newville. And so uh, that's kind of an all-day event and various forms of barbecue and also pie contests. <laughs> uh, it's very well attended um, uh, and lots of uh, the competition is very heated. So Noville's really out in the country. I mean, it's it? eight, right off 81. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh. um, not within the next couple of weeks, but I know uh, we're going to look ahead to a couple of uh, uh, Masonic events coming up in the fall. Uh, the week after Lodge in the Woods, which I'll leave to Jack to talk about, is the 3rd District Low Vale on September the 25th, uh, and of course, on Saturday the 21st is Autumn Days in Woo. the Masonic Villages in Woo-woo. E-town. Pumpkin roll.
7: Come Pumpkin say, say hi,
3: guys. I'll That's probably right. be at T-shirts. That's where I was last year.
1: Pumpkin roll.
4: Jack,
3: anything
5: going so, on? Me? Um, first, before I go, go into that, I just want to say that uh, I just looked at my phone, and I have... Cause I, cause I uh, FaceTime or not FaceTime. What is it? Uh, live action Facebook live. thing. Facebook live. I went live for about 20 seconds. Yasser al saw it and said regards to worshipful brother, Mike Paul and all the podcast light generals. So greetings from Yasser. Oh, he, all right. he's, he's a fan. People
1: actually do pay attention. Uh, to this yeah.
5: Stuff. He's a good egg. Um, so I have uh, coming up the <clears throat> pumpkin roll. Like I said before at, Autumn days. The Yasser episode
4: was my favorite episode.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Effective immediately. Um, so we're way down the road, um, just below, at the top of the hill, below the um, health center. That's where we'll be at a table there. We'll have pumpkins for the kids to paint, and, and then um, we'll win fabulous prizes. And that'll be awesome. Uh, the
7: hill by the health center?
5: Yeah, you know, if you follow that little road that um, yeah. that goes through the underneath that little overpass and yeah. you come out at the parking lot. That's um, where Ken Hudson lives. That's where um, that's where we'll have a table set up and pumpkins and the kids can. Oh, uh, you look
4: know, for temp, the big round temp, orange things. They're not basketballs. Yeah, temp, Tempera right.
5: paint and a big pickup truck or a big dump truck will be right there. And the
7: word will get out for the people in the health center not to really come out.
5: Oh, I don't care. We'll roll them down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda of like Silence of the Lambs. Whoosh went the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that could be. A, I don't know. That. Anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, and then after that is actually the the uh, the Wednesday after the second tuesday is the the, september 18th yeah september 18th is lodge in the woods and this is an event that the first masonic district and um, especially effort lodge 665 uh, we're the host lodge and and then we invite the uh, worshipful masters of all the lodges in the district to take the chairs uh, and we will have uh, as our special guests, as we always do, the Grandmaster and most of the Grand Line and a whole bunch of district deputies and a whole bunch of scouters that are also Masons. And it's a great time. Steak dinner with all the trimmings, desserts, and all that good stuff. Uh, tickets are $30. We dropped them $5 this year uh, just because we got a little better deal on the dinner. And um, if you're interested, please look at uh, effortalodge 665org or first Masonic dot org or Masonic light podcast uh, or Masonic light and uh, you'll find links to all that stuff or on our Facebook pages or if you whatever.
4: go on Eventbrite Lodge in the Woods you'll find it in that's right
5: Eventbrite type search for Lodge in the Woods and you should find it there and you can buy your tickets uh, through Eventbrite as well so that's the big thing that's that's my big September event and then after that it's all downhill <laughs>
4: no pun intended uh, yeah. Larry yeah. let's wrap this mess up ah,
5: right. cue those chickens cue the chickens
7: special thanks to Effort Lodge 665 for making this beautiful studio available our thanks to Josh Lamberton our producer who continues to make our show very listenable Special thanks to News Director Jack Harley For poignant, up-to-date <laughs> Historical Information To Michelle Snyder and to Jim Stevens Who are frequent guests on the show uh, Also to uh, Gosh, who am, I, who, am I, who am I Who am I forgetting here? Am I forgetting
5: somebody?
4: Nope. George J. Grovenson, Roofing
7: <laughs> Yeah, George Grovenson Yeah, absolutely You
5: forgot to take your pill is what you forgot
7: yeah, anyway, but I want to close out in, a, in, a, in an unusual or a different manner tonight. Thank goodness. <laughs> it, it, two guys were riding in a truck together. <laughs> oh, no. god! Oh, God. <laughs> through Montana. Oh, gee, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, through Montana along the way, and upon spotting, uh, spotting a wild elk, the first guy says to the other guy, he said, did you know the elks have sex about 10 to 12 times a day? The other man replies, Oh no, the guy said, Well, what's wrong? So the other guy said, I just joined the Masons. <laughs> <Hey! Hello!
4: laughs> this is Larry said Thanks for listening and good night. I was very concerned about that, but it, it, it paid off. Okay, uh, it's Pete and Jack and Tim and Josh and
3: Megan.
7: Thanks for listening and have a good day. Bye, everybody.